You're listening to The S-Rank on the Triple S Studios Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The S-Rank. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your host, William. And today we have another special guest. We have Paul Lombardo joining us, and he is a aspiring games journalist who uh, is also my fellow writer at Super Jump Magazine. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining us on the day that you get Persona 5 Strikers. Obviously, you're very excited for the game. Are you the type of person that likes reading spoilers, or do you like experience in the game? I am very... I stay away from spoilers in any way I can. I bite the bullet with trailers. I really don't like watching trailers because for me, literally anything in a game can be a spoiler, even if it's just like a costume or something. But I do watch trailers, even though, in my opinion, they can and often do contain spoilers. But yeah, I stay away from them because I want to I want to get the full experience myself. And you probably saw the trailer for Strikers. What what was the thing that stood out for you the most in that? Um, Definitely the music, but that's just Persona in general. The music is so good. So good. <laughs> we'll get back to Persona um, later on. But first, I just want to ask you, you're going to the University of Florida. Um, what are you going to school for? Journalism. Go figure. I knew you were going to say journalism, but I <laughs> asked you anyways. <laughs> so uh, this is a question that actually Sean Leib uh, asked me, but I didn't really have a good answer earlier. How do you manage balancing school life and writing on Medium? It's a lot easier than I, th- I, th- I thought it would be. And I've ever since uh, I started going to UF this semester and um it's been a little tougher going to school, but somehow I've managed to balance games, medium, and you know school. But I think part of it is um, I'm not doing a lot of writing in school right now. I'm taking more like introductory journalism classes, so I kind of fill in that writing slot with medium. Um, but I'm sure as my classes get more intense, it might be a bit tougher. But right now, it's it's pretty it's pretty smooth. So I'm hoping it stays that way. Awesome. Well, you you also have a, a YouTube channel. Um, you also do like video game analysis on there. So how do you decide what goes onto Medium and what goes onto your YouTube channel? You know, um, actually, most of my videos, they, they kind of, I'll look at like one of my Medium articles and I'll go, okay, how can I turn this into a more visual project? So if, if you watch my Catherine video and if you read my Catherine article, it's pretty much the same thing almost, except I try to kind of spice it up more with my personality, put some more jokes in there. Um, That way, you know, it's, it's kind of like the same thing, but it's keeping it a little different and pertaining to maybe a different audience who doesn't like to read. Cause I know a lot of people just won't, you know, don't like to read. So it's, it's good. Um, I need to work on getting on camera more and getting more comfortable with that, but I think it's good experience. Even if people don't really watch it as much, I enjoy doing it. Awesome. Well, you know what? I'm taking notes here because this is exactly what I do. <laughs> you probably know more than I do. <laughs> uh, so you write on Medium. Was Super Jump the first publication that you found? Yeah. Um, I originally started writing, I think it was on WordPress. And I, just, and I would post my articles there more so as like a little portfolio. But I realized people pro- probably weren't seeing them, which I was okay with more. So I just wanted to have a place where it's, it was a little more professional. Um, so I went on medium and I was like, okay, let's see what's going on in the gaming scene here. And I think I got in at like the perfect time because as soon as I jumped in on super jump and um, submitted, I think it was my near article was my first one. And then I did a Mario one. Um, it started like taking off from there. And now super jump is a lot bigger than when I joined. I think it was in last September. So I haven't really been there for long, but 
it's it's been a lot of fun and it's grown a lot since i've joined it definitely has even since i joined in just like a few months ago in october it's really like taken off and mad props to uh uh james burns for really just like taking that project and running with it really someone that i look up to a lot um yeah James yeah. is a great guy. I, uh, I've chatted with him a, a good bit in um, DMs and on the Super Jump Discord server. And, um, you know, he always like, he'll like praise my work, which is nice because I know he's got a lot of experience. So it, it's like a feel good thing. Um, but, you know, he's he'll also provide good tips. And yeah, I think I, I attribute a lot of my work on Super Jump to, you know, his influence and helping out. Absolutely. Yeah, he gives really good feedback. Uh, he tells you when something won't work and he'll fix things up for you as well um just all around great guy um so outside of super jump though and maybe even outside of medium what other things do you like to write about usually for the most part i've pretty much only written about games i think i did an article on medium about um productivity and because it was just something that came to mind about being productive by not being productive (laughs) in a way to like maintain energy um, I used to write a little bit of poetry. I still dabble in that from time to time. Um, but no, it's mostly been about games. And I know some some people like myself, <laughs> they like to uh, mix game journalism and also just like creating narratives for games. Have you ever dabbled mm-hmm. in creative writing for games at all? Yeah, um, I a few years ago, I, I was doing like a little project with my buddies just kind of as a, as a fun way to get creative. But uh, about a few months ago, me and a few of my friends have been kind of like da- dabbling in the idea of making like an RPG maker RPG just to get a little bit of experience in that like game development department. But I've written out like a few um, a few characters. We have like a world building and it's kind of coming together in, a, in an interesting way. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely dabbled in like writing for stories and such. That's awesome. RPG Maker is really the one that I want to learn. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I went to uh, school the last year writing for games and they taught us uh, Unreal Engine and I struggled with that. But I go and teach myself uh, RPG Maker <laughs> on YouTube. And there's no problem there. Very <laughs> so accessible. It's so accessible. I, I love it. So around the first time that I joined Super Jump back in October, uh, you published an article about how you flew to Canada um, to, vis- uh, to visit a girl that you connected mm. with through Animal Crossing. Um, yeah. So I'll let our listeners read that one for themselves. But what did you think of Canada while you were up here? <laughs> um, I went to Winnipeg. Um, All right. I don't know, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had a lot of fun because I was with my girlfriend. Um, but Winnipeg was very interesting. For the most part, we just kind of stayed you know, around our house because it's. What I heard, <laughs> I hear it's the the murder ca- murder capital of Manitoba. <laughs> a lot yes. of crime. So, I I like Canada. Um, one thing I noticed there's a maple there's a maple leaf on everything. Every brand, every every you know everything's got a maple leaf on it. Um, I had a lot of fun. It was a good experience, and definitely want to go back one day. Well, that's 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 pretty much the Canada experience yeah. right there. I mean, oh, and snow, lots and lots of snow. Yes, super you cold. S- you step outside and you know you just freeze immediately. Yeah, I remember getting off the plane. Um, what's like the thing that connects the plane to the air to the airport? It's like a you know what I'm talking about, right? That like the, the little tube, connector yeah. you walk through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like 
I felt the cold from inside there. And I was like, whoa, this is way different from Florida. Because I'd never experienced snow before. That must have been pretty jarring, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird. I've only seen snow in, like, movies and games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you do a lot of writing about JRPGs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first introduction to JRPGs in general? Way back when I was a kid, Kingdom Hearts was like the introductory JRPG for me. I think a lot of people, yeah, you guys shaking your heads. I think a lot of people sort of have that, um, <clears throat> like a Square Enix experience. And then for a while, um, I was more so on like that Western RPG grind, um, played a lot of Fallout, a lot of Skyrim. And then it kind of switched back. I think it was in, I think it was in like, uh, high school my sophomore or junior year i picked up final fantasy 10 and then oh my god i love that game so much that is like one of my favorite games ever um after that i went into octopath and that's another great game um so yeah started with kingdom hearts then i moved a little bit into more hefty rpgs and then i came across the treasure trove persona and that was <laughs> it's the jackpot <laughs> yeah right that's like the ding 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 like that that's the jrpg the definitive jrpg 100 percent. um so and speaking of persona you wrote about uh you well you write about persona 5 royal Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but particularly the character kasumi uh sumire i I suppose Mm. she stands out to you um why does that character resonate with you so much um you know i don't really have much personal connection or like I didn't really get a lot of relatability out of Kasumi. Honestly, I just really like how they wrote her. Her twist was really good. I'm assuming I can talk about spoilers, right? Oh, absolutely. Her, Go okay, ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed sort of how they enveloped that narrative. And I think they handled mental health in a, in a positive way. And, and while it was you know, a fantasy or fictional narrative and it wasn't realistic, it they... They uh, hit the nail on the head with like trauma and survivor's guilt, which um, I talked a lot about in my article. And I think that um, Maruki was a really bad counselor and psychologist. <laughs> and they paint him in that way, which is good. Um, and the third semester is just phenomenal. So Kasumi, I just found her to be a well-written character. I ordered a Kasumi figure last night. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> it's kind of funny you mentioned that. Uh, I finally bit the bullet because I got like $30 off of it. So, yeah, she's, I really just like her character. I like her design. Um, I don't know. She's just, uh, she stands out to me a lot. So then for people that, you know, they went through the entirety of Persona 5, you absolutely recommend uh, playing Royal as well? Yeah. I did. So I didn't play the original Persona 5. I just oh. went straight to Royal. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a super, like, informed opinion of whether or not, how different 5 and Royal but I was on a, a Persona 5 Royal podcast with, like, three other people who played 5. And they all said, like, yeah, 100% go into Royal. It's it's worth the experience. So I definitely think it is, especially with how cheap the game can get. Like, I've seen the Steelbook go for $20 on GameStop. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, that's how much I that's how much I bought it for at the time. So I think the other day I saw you uh, put something out on uh, Project Triangle Strategy. What did you think about that game and then all the other, sorry, all the other announcements from the Nintendo Direct? Um, Triangle Strategy definitely stuck out to me as someone who loves JRPGs. Bravely Default 2 does as well. I think besides that, 
Pyra was really cool to see. I still haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but Pyra being in Smash is pretty amazing in terms of like for for fans of, of Xenoblade. I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter about it because people saying like her design appeals more rather than like her story. But from what I've read about her story, it seems pretty interesting. So definitely Pyra, strategy, Bravely Default 2, and Mario Golf. Mario Golf <laughs> looks so fun. Yeah. That that one game mode where you just run across the course and like <laughs> continue swinging, like I can see that being like insane. I, I've been raving to Aaron, uh, like every chance I get, I'm like we're playing speed golf. We're yeah. playing speed golf. <laughs> <laughs> speed <laughs> it golf just looks, looks so like, good. It looks like so much fun. By the time we saw that Mario Golf thing too, we were just like, wait. Remember at the beginning of this direct, there was a Smash Bros. reveal. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> right? Like it just took the. Att- it's funny too because when they went into it, I don't know if you remember, but he was talking. He's like, "We got something to show you," and it just switches literally to a scene of just him golfing, like a gameplay scene. There's no introduction. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just like Mario Golf, <laughs> and people are amazed. It's it's insane. Yeah, I I was totally critical at first. I was just like, oh god, this is gonna be so boring. Then I saw them running, and it was right? just like, ah, <laughs> oh, so awesome. Open did, world Mario Golf, make it happen. <laughs> did you play Mario Tennis, the the one on the Switch? No, I wish. I that one has Pauline in it, and yeah. I absolutely love Pauline. So I, I didn't play it. that one, but when I saw it too, I was like, oh my gosh, is it just gonna be like that, where it's just kind of tennis and that's it? But yeah. When it, when we saw, when everybody saw them running across across the course, it was just it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, okay, so let's shift gears a bit. Uh, this one uh, will entertain my colleague William <laughs> a bit. Um, but you've been very uh, vocal about the direction of the Pokemon series. Mm. <laughs> um, please tell us how much do you hate Sword and Shield? <laughs> oh. Um... <laughs> You know, I I went into Sword and Shield with an open mind, expecting it to be... I, I remember saying to one of my buddies, I was like, you know, it's Pokemon. I don't think they could mess it up. And <laughs> they... Well, I don't well, think it, I don't think it's a bad game. Like, I just think it's so uninspiring. There, I remember, like, the story doesn't pick up until, like, near the very end of the game. And you, there's a little tidbits of story. Like with, I actually really liked Marnie. I think the character designs in that game are really well done. But going from Sun and Moon, where they really like take a step in another direction with um, like the gym trials and the Ultra Beast, it was very like wild for a Pokemon game. To have them play it safe with Sword and Shield was just super disappointing. I didn't play the DLCs, so I could be eating my words. If the DLCs are really good, then they're really good. But I just did not enjoy Sword and Shield. I found it so boring. And then it kind of brought to light, like, wow, they really should shift the Pokemon gameplay formula. Because I just have to, I'm sitting through these battles, they're kind of long and monotonous, especially after playing Persona, right? It's just yeah. like, oh, God. It's, it's definitely a lot of repetition, and that's mm-hmm. just that's just the way the genre has always been. But, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to have that much repetition, there's always room for a good story, exactly. you know? Um. What did you think of the character designs of the Pokemon themselves? <laughs> um, I, I thought they were... I liked them a lot. Some of them were forgettable, but um, I really like Snom. I think Snom is just adorable. This little, like, white maggot-looking snow creature. Um, I remember the octopus brawler guy was pretty neat. And the other one that stood out was the... Um, he looked like a fighter jet. He, Dragapult. I don't know if you know Dragapult. He, he was pretty cute. 
So I like the designs. People say like, I, I see a lot of people saying that the designs for Pokemon are going downhill, but personally, I think they've, they haven't really dropped the ball with their designs. I just think the story and like the gameplay needs change, like innovation somewhere, somehow. I think it's kind of sad that um, you see a lot of other JRPGs like Persona 5, which has a lot of turn-based combat, instead of really pushing everything in that game to make it the highlight smash hit that it is, you see Pokemon do the same thing, but not better. Like, for me, I, I grew up with Pokemon, right? I watched it improve just at all these crazy things when mega evolutions came into the game it blew my mind i didn't think that was possible um and then they added the ultra beast like you said that was outlandish as hell and then we got sword and shield and it was so disappointing to me not only because they played it safe but because they backtracked all their ideas 100 percent um like gigantamax it to, it's like oh, on paper it sounds cool but why not just do more mega evolutions because mega evolution like you said it was amazing people don't even think like wow this this is actually possible and then they do gigantamax it's like wow now your pokemon is big like that and sometimes <laughs> they change their design but like that's what gigantic or not gigantamax that's what mega evolution did so they they backtrack a lot they implement and i think like we've seen them implement ideas and take them out throughout the series but not on that level where there's like I don't even think Mega Evolution is present at all in Sword and Shield. Not and to then, my knowledge. And then they, um, the big controversy I think surrounding that game was having like most of the decks missing, um, and then they blamed it on like they had to create new models. But then someone went into the files and found out that it's the same models from the 3DS and the same animations. So it's just like, what are they doing? I don't know what's going on, but Game Freak needs to, you know, figure it out because their games, they, they're selling well. So maybe they don't need to figure anything out. But yeah, people like yeah, us are disappointed. I, I might be wrong, but I do think that Sword and Shield is the best selling game to date uh, in the Pokemon franchise. I think um, so, too, because of the, the Switch's like booming popularity. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think that they could do? Uh, I don't know. In the next game i i don't know whether that be diamond pearl remakes or um just the next installment what do you think they could do to fix or troubleshoot their next game honestly i really don't know um i think like i think with pokemon they just needed to like take a step back and look at the battle system um maybe maybe the battle system doesn't need to change but for me like like i said going from persona to something like that it was just slow and very monotonous uh, I think they should really take a look at like the gym system and be like, okay, how can we improve our narrative to where the, our characters aren't just battling gym after gym and then ending up in the elite four? Like, get rid of the predictability. Throw us like a curveball, like uh, sword and or not sword and chip, like sun and moon did with um the ultra beasts, right? Something like that, and maintain that charm because sun and moon had a lot of charm. Um, I I you know I'm not from the UK, but so I don't know how well they they represented and sort of like implemented those ideas into Sword and Shield, but I remember Sun and Moon. I was amazed with all like the Hawaiian and the Polynesian theming, and a lot of the Pokemon looked amazing, and it it provided like a different experience, especially being on an island versus a giant like landmass. So if we can get something like uh, Sun and Moon where they shift things around a lot and throw curveballs, I would really enjoy that. 
Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think they really need to take... They need to take Pokemon and just, like, blow it wide open. I think it needs to be a far more, like, player-intensive experience. I, I think they need to pull back a little bit on the main gameplay mechanic, which is the battles. I think they really need to just blow open the rest of the game. It feels really empty to me. That was my biggest issue. There's not a lot going on other than the battles i don't know anything about the story <laughs> like it, it's not that much story there in story exactly I, and I, I really think that that was the main highlight of a lot of the uh the older games would like really awesome sprite work um like when it comes to black and white or diamond and pearl platinum stuff like that or black and white too as well has i love black story. and white yeah They've got such a such a artistically done story, and I think it, that is why it's so memorable to me. That paired with the incredible spri- uh, sprite work and animation work that they did, which is another thing that they fell flat on. In the, yeah, in now game. and now like they've modernized it with models, which um, I find fine. But it at the end of the day, it just kind of when they don't you know improve or or sort of keep that like like you said that artistic storytelling and. And just the game feels very bland and uninspired and very empty. I remember the um, what's it what's it called? Like the the area you can walk around in, like that giant open area yeah. that they push so heavily. It's, it's I hate it so much. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. <laughs> no, I agree, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. It's so bad and sad that it's bad because it could have been amazing. Hey everyone, it's William. How are you liking the episode so far? If you've been enjoying it, consider following us at the S Rank Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. In other news, we have merch. If you'd like to support us, take a trip to our website, www.triplesstudios.ca, and head to our shop. And go pet a dog. Or a cat. It really doesn't matter to me. Just go pet an animal. Um, shifting gears again, what is your favorite non-RPG video game? Um, that's actually a good question, because if you look at a lot of games, like, you could argue, like, oh, this is, falls under an RPG, um, this doesn't, but I would say probably, hmm, you know, Minecraft is a really good one, just because of how many memories I have with that game, um, maybe Red Dead Redemption 1, that game is just phenomenal, too, as well, I'd, I'd say probably Red Dead Redemption redemption one of the first one or the second one just because i love rockstar's writing i think it's hilarious and um it creates like great caricatures of our world so probably one of the rockstar games i i agree rockstar is very good at doing like the entire atmosphere thing and i i think red dead redemption 2 did a really good job at encapsulating that especially all the campfire scenes that was oh my goodness and (laughs) great amount of writing the amount of amazing voice acting and um, like the storytelling was just so well done in that game. Red Dead Two is like, uh, did you? I don't know. I remember. I think God of War beat it at the Game Awards, which you know, props to them. I played God of War and it was a really great experience. But man, I felt really shafted for Red Dead because that <laughs> game, that game was so phenomenal. Everything about it, and I, I'm a sucker for cowboys. So maybe there's a bit of bias there, but I don't know. It was it was really well done. The only negative feelings I have towards Red Dead is I worked at uh, EB Games, which is, you know, Canadian GameStop. (laughs) And um, 
I had to listen to Take Me Home Country Roads <laughs> every, not not just like once a day. It was like once every 10 minutes, once the TV commercial loop was finished. It was just like, take me home. I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that was a rough time in, in my life. Um, made lots of friends, though. <laughs> um, so gaming has had a couple of... Uh, couple of months that have been kind of rocky uh with uh you know the whole cyberpunk fiasco um the limited nintendo releases um but we've had this gamestop situation happen what do you what do you make of it um you know i think it's it's kind of funny the, the, you mean like the stocks right the stock market absolutely yeah it's more or less very unrelated to gaming itself but at the same time i think it sort of is because a lot of people that fueled the um, the stock thing, like the, the 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 blowing up of the GameStop stock, were probably gamers, more so redditors, but I imagine a lot of redditors are gamers and such. But um, I don't know. I put some money into GameStop and then I took it out very quickly out of fear. And then I I went into safer places like I'm in Microsoft now and Disney, so those are very safer blue chip stocks. But I don't know. It's it's not a super gaming related uh issue but it was very interesting to sort of jump into the stock market and see what was going on and how like if you guys know about like the hedge funds versus the redditors it's kind of it i feel like it's going to be something that's going to be talked about you know maybe in textbooks one day just give out like the scale of it of how crazy how out of proportion the gamestop stock blew up and gamestop as a company is not doing very well they haven't been for years but the fact that their stock is just still above, like, I think it's $40 right now, which was, it peaked at, like, 500 400 something. Something crazy. People, yeah, it made a lot of millionaires. But I, I, I support the movement because at the end of the day, I think it's siphoning money from these these hedge funders, which effectively kill out companies. Like, like, if you look, they look at a dying company and just kind of, they pull the trigger by, by doing a, a hedge fund with them. As far as I know, I, I'm not really super qualified to speak on that, but I support people um, sort of trickling that money downwards to others who need it. I mean, on Reddit, there were people saying, like, I donated five Nintendo Switches to the children's hospital with my money. So if that's what's coming out of it, then I support it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you say that it's it's not related so much to gaming itself, but do you think that it's affected like public perception of gamers and like people who play games in general yeah i think um i think it's probably brought another like a an eye towards gaming and i think the pandemic has done that as well um in terms of like bringing people like older people maybe who are into stocks but aren't into gaming like what's going on in this industry this department that's making a lot of money not just in the game stock stock but people buying games like the game industry i think it's the if not one of the um most highly grossing like industries in yeah. media and entertainment so it's, it's bigger than uh film and tv combined 100 percent. Yeah. so um yeah i think it definitely will has brought a lot of attention to gaming and hopefully discussions around like the future of physical games versus digital i'm i'm a physical guy Whenever I buy a digital game, I kind of cringe a little bit because I know I, that that license might disappear one day. But um, yeah. I still do it out of convenience. I'm guilty. And I think 
um it'll bring some discussion as to like the future of brick and mortar gaming stores and such yeah i mean we've seen we've seen the phasing out happen before with you know with uh, other media you know we had blockbusters and video stores uh and they're all gone now and it's it's sad to sort of see that or or think that gaming could go the same way Mm -hmm. it's um i I wrote an article i'm assuming you read it because that's why (laughs) you brought the topic up but about gamestop and um there's a lot of memories in in gamestop i remember like going there like after school to get a game and um even though the store is kind of bland you have eb games i went into one when i was in canada um and it's more or less like the same as gamestop um so it's kind of sad but at the same time like i'll just go to best buy i get most of my games at best buy anyway like I, that's where i'm getting strikers today because they're offering a steelbook with it like let's go love persona persona steelbook um so yeah, it's sad, but at the same time, it's just it's kind of like the Toys R Us thing. People, people will look at it and they'll be like, "Oh, I used to shop there, but now I'm just gonna go buy my kid a toy off Amazon." Right. Yeah. Um. So, for you as a games journalist, what 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 do you consider your your end game or your end goal as a game? Like mine is, I want to replace Jeff Cayley at the Game Awards <laughs> one day. But uh, <laughs> you know, it can be any anything like that or maybe reasonable i don't know um honestly i'm just like looking at what opportunities arise for me within the industry i know it's one that's very hard to break into but i'm glad i have my footing in there you know even a little bit with super jump super jump has been like insanely helpful with um writing for games and getting my voice out there about them but i'd say probably writing at a company or a publication like IGN or Kotaku or Polygon or maybe I'll just end up freelancing I'd like to make more YouTube videos um but that you know that all depends on how that department goes and um like I said me and my buddies were we're talking about a game we've been like creating storylines so maybe I'll end up making a game of my own I don't have a lot of experience in programming I plan to minor in computer science so that might help out but honestly so anything involving writing, right? Anything involving like a creative endeavor um, or reporting on games, that's like sort of my end goal. Yours is a lot more ambitious and I and I support it. <laughs> Jeff needs to watch out. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Jeff. Uh, speaking about uh, reporting on games, what do you think about the bad rep that games journalists get from other gamers? Do you think any of it's warranted? Um, I think there's certainly a little bit of um truth to the the discussions surrounding it, but at the same time there's a lot of um too too much neg- negativity and honestly just like toxicity. Like um the Kaylee I think her name's Kaylee Page, Kaylee Posh. She wrote a review for um what was it? A recent game she wrote a review for. I can't remember. I want to look it up, but people were just badgering her and there was a lot of misogynistic people, right? And you see that all the time in gaming. That's a whole other issue with females in games. Um but no, I I think for the most part it's definitely bad. 
and people will take it too far. But at the same time, there is like I, I remember the Cuphead thing, like that. <laughs> it, it, it's it's kind of laughable, and like obviously you don't need to be insanely good at games to be able to write about them. But um, I know that I know like there's kind of like this war, like a, a cold war between like game journalists and game YouTubers. Um, I have like a few YouTuber friends and um, it's weird. I don't know. Gamergate was like a crazy thing, right? And um, I think that there's too much like hostility on on both sides. Like you've got like your typical gamer and then you've got like a, a games journalist. And I feel like there needs to be more of like a bridging of the gap, which is why I like medium, right? I consider myself a typical gamer until I started writing. Now I consider myself sort of like a game journalist. Obviously, I'm not very popular, but um, I definitely love writing about games. So I think being able to bridge like the gap between the two and not having this like huge disconnect between people who write about games and the people who play them would be good. I don't know how we will go about doing that, but maybe having more people write about games like for Super Trump and such. Superjumps provided a lot of voices for people. I've, that's one thing, really good thing to come out of it. Definitely, yeah. Superjump is is amazing because it's really a place. I think that you know you can you can just write about your favorite games. There's no deadline. There's no necessary like I don't know. There's nothing like compelling you to write about a game a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Tell us about your experience, you know? Um, And I think that that is so important, especially with all of the other publications that do have deadlines and have that crunch time that we also see with game devs. Yeah. Um, And because that totally just, it it changes how you feel about the game almost in the Mm -hmm. end, at the end of the day. Because you're so stressed about it. Yeah, Yeah. you have to rush through it. Yeah. I know it's like the same thing if you're if you're a YouTuber making a review for a game. It's it's very uh daunting I imagine when a new game is coming out like I'm sure it's exciting but at the same time it's like wow, I got to make sure I really get my review out well or I'm going to end up like X person or Y person getting badgered on Twitter because they didn't like what I said about the game. And I think it creates a lot of pressure, but you know, like you said Super Jump, you don't have that. And you don't have people um, journalism in general, not just gaming journalism, has issues with like agendas and such and people wanting you to say something about X, Y, or Z. So I, I know that's also an issue in gaming, but like like you said, Super Jump, or I guess Medium in general, you don't really have to worry about people telling you how to write. I, I know every time I send something, when the editors look at it and I look at what they've changed, Nine out of ten times, the only thing they change is the title, which I support because I'm not really good at writing titles, and they're amazing at it. So, no, I think they're it's very natural, um, and gaming journalism, in journalism in general, suffers from that. Right, getting an idea across without having it injected with agendas or what have you. I think I think one of the best things that Super Jump does, and this is my. Uh, this is the solution to my least favorite problem in games journalism. And that's a lot of games journalists do not play games <laughs> at all. A lot of them are very talented journalists who are writing for games, who don't really know too much about the actual games. And I think that 
Super Jump in particular is giving a voice to people who actually do and who are passionate about journalism as well. And you get a lot of these articles that are very passionately written with as much hard-hitting information as that person can find because that person is passionate enough to find out every single thing that they want to put into their article. Whereas you find an article or video somewhere on... I'm calling out IGN today. Um, <laughs> um, I... As much as I appreciate and I love looking at the articles that IGN can put out, you can find some really just just subpar quality articles on there because these people aren't really looking into what they're writing about. They're just writing about it. Yeah, it's like I said, there's like a disconnect between game a lot of gaming journalists, not all of them, but and uh, games itself. There needs to be a, a bridging like Super Jump because people who don't know a lot about games are writing about them and they do a great job. Oftentimes they're reporting things, but then you just see like things on IGN or wherever, like these kind of weird takes that don't make sense. Yeah. And, and ga- gamers that like raise their eyebrows at it and they're like, this, this isn't written by a gamer. Well, I think it's oftentimes is that sometimes those jobs go to people that, uh, you know, haven't been like longtime fans of this series. So, you know, they're, they, they begrudgingly, they're just like, okay, well, I, I have to write about this. Uh, I have to. Uh, I have to go through this game yeah. genre that I don't like, um, and then they give it a bad review because you know they don't. They didn't vibe with it. Yeah, and much water. Not not vibing <laughs> Too much water. or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, not appreciating a game series is absolutely okay, but at the same time, like you know, you got to have have had the years to put in in order to you know tell that sort of experience and you know you mentioned gamergate before and the whole situation with um what happened with anita sarkeesian and just like all the uh misogyny and hate directed towards her is just like totally unacceptable um but you know like i i wonder if gaming that way has come like it's moved forward at all um if, kind if something of. like that could happen yeah. today. Um, I think with the amount of people that have gone into gaming recently, um, it definitely would be a little different. But I still think there's th- those hateful, toxic groups of gamers that will spew the same nonsense and hate towards people. But like you said, I, gaming has definitely come forward because there's so many more people playing games nowadays. Like I said, the pandemic has had a massive influence on the gaming industry and um like animal crossing for example i'm sure people are who finished animal crossing like wow video games are pretty fun what what's next right they jump into something else so those people would definitely if there was a gamer gate 2.0 god forbid it would it would uh i'd I'd be interested to see how it would develop yeah well hopefully that doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not hopefully not that would be horrible um so you have You've written a couple of articles, and you, you, your philosophy that I've gathered uh, from these articles that I'm talking about <laughs> is that you're hopeful about gaming in 2021 and in the future. Um, without giving away too much of what's in those articles, what can you tell us that you're most excited for in 2021 for games? Um, besides what's happening today? <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, there isn't much in 2021 that's been like like grabbing my attention except for near i love near i think anything i'm excited to play games that i haven't touched games that i haven't experienced like i've never played bioshock believe it or not and i know a lot of people 
love Bioshock. So I have that coming in the mail and I'm super excited to play to sort of broaden my gaming horizons and play games that I haven't touched, games that are on my backlog that have been sitting there. Um, I'm still playing through 13 Sentinels, which people say is like an amazing storytelling experience. And um, yeah, just sort of broadening my horizons, diminishing my backlog, playing new games, getting more experience in for games that I don't really have experience in. Because I found when I pick up a game and I don't really know what to make of it upon picking it up, I have the best experience of it. Yeah, I I completely agree with the picking up games on your backlog. I I missed out completely on the Fallout series. Um I was I was very much a Skyrim kid. Just full into Skyrim, played nothing else for a couple of years. Um but I I've been playing through Fallout New Vegas. I love and, Fallout so much. Oh my goodness, I have never had so much fun. Uh I I think I think what Skyrim was missing for me was a gun. <laughs> <laughs> At the second I had, uh, like, the first, uh, I think it was a 10mm pistol in mm-hmm. Fallout New Vegas, I was like, oh, this is right. Yeah. This is what I needed. <laughs> I I love Fallout so, so much. I think um, it's, like, the first game that got me into, not JRPGs, but more, like, Western RPGs, like Bethesda. Love Skyrim, but... Fallout 3 was the big one for me, and then mm. it was my favorite for a while, but I, I took like a nice objective look at New Vegas, and I was like, yeah, this, this is this is the shit. Definitely with like the Cowboys, right? Love Cowboys. So Fallout, Fallout New Vegas having that Western theme was just phenomenal. I love Fallout so, so much. Absolutely. Uh, well, Paul, we are reaching uh, the end of our time with you, but I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, where can our listeners find you in your content? Um, I'm on Medium, Paul Lombardo under Superjump. Um, my Twitter is at Kopi Kitten. Um, you can find me on YouTube under the same name, Kopi the Kitten. And I, I'd say that's it. My Twitter has will direct my other places, my YouTube, my Medium. So I would I would go there if you're interested in reading about games and and my uh, my thoughts on them. Before we let you go, Persona Five. Who is best girl and who is best dad? <laughs> uh, b- best dad is uh, Yusuke because he's got the coolest, coolest Persona design. Um, best girl in the original Persona 5 was Makoto. Best girl in Royal is Kasumi. That, that much should be obvious based on <laughs> how much I talk about her. We'll see how much controversy that stirs up. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too much. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the S-Rank. If you know anyone in the games industry with some interesting stories to tell, reach out to us on social media. And you can find us there on Twitter and Instagram at the S-Rank Podcast. Thanks again, folks. See you next week.